The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Mighty Gems, spotlighting everyday jewels with your host, Dee Lee. It is common for all of us to take things for granted, the familiar in our daily lives. For example, our home, our job, our health, our relationships with family and friends and pets. By paying attention and polishing your own life gems, you can add your light to life. And that creates a mighty gem. On today's program, you will learn how paying attention to the small things can make your life mighty. So polish the facets of the extraordinary jewels around you by joining your host, Dee Lee. Learn how being mighty is possible when you polish the extraordinary jewels in your life. Now, here is your host, Dee Lee. Welcome to our show, Mighty Gems, Spotlighting Everyday Jewels. My name is Dee Lee, and today I'm here with my guest host, Lynn Sherell, and our very special guest, Catherine Jewett professional organizer with reversible chaos. Most humans today live a normal life existence in a daily state of being overwhelmed. And that's normal with quote unquote. There are also many distractions and bright shiny objects that can be hard to actually see what's in front of you. As a result, it's easy to operate with blinders in place and to be numb about your life. Sometimes we even become asleep or immune to the potentials within and the realities around us for living a more joy-filled existence. The antidote is to simply start paying attention to the state of our own mindset. In order to see more clearly, it can be helpful to have a higher perspective. These mighty gems spotlight focus on our inner subtle human energy systems. We know now that the internal energy centers are actually connected with the world around us. Everything within us is reflected from our inside to our outside. The key is finding a balanced reflection. So Steve Wine said, getting things straight in your head is a major achievement because there's so much clutter out there. You've got to push aside the static to really hear the music. Have you ever met a memento you didn't really want? That's kind of a a powerful question. Do you find it is hard to let go of things if you have held on to them for some reason, mental, physical, financial? Many people believe cutting down on clutter means simply physically removing items, objects, and papers from a certain area. There really is a right way to approach a cluttered situation in order to provide an effective procedure, organized structure, and management system for stuff that includes spatial design and creative aesthetics for the area. There are a lot of benefits to declutter the right way. How to do systemized, how to systemize the more time and space and also maintain this new way of being free. So Catherine, in your experience, in one of your, and in your newsletters, which are fabulous information, you you have a quote from Lao 
pursue that seems appropriate in discussion of a major project potential. When we start approaching the topic of clutter clearing and the resulting effects on the journey it opens up to. He said, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. So how, I mean, can you please uh, let our listeners in on a little secret as to how your journey started, your personal journey, as a professional organizer? And how did you get started and the steps you were taking in your journey as you go from day to day? Because you're very passionate about what you're doing. And that, you know, I mean, that's kind of like um, a passion area that a lot of people shy away from. <laughs> you know, they, they don't want <laughs> to even see it. So they don't see the clutter around them or in themselves. And it's kind of like a, being on a diet. You know, you don't really want to go there. Yes, yes. Well, first, thank you for allowing me to join your show today. I, oh, we're I am passionate about this subject, so I love to talk about it. And um, I think the easiest way to envision um, my passion for the whole organizing thing is um, if you asked my mom when I was when I became an organizer, she would say that I just sort of arrived on this planet that way. Uh, I was one of those kids. <laughs> you know, it took a while for me to figure out, but um, I realized I was a bit different in junior high when uh, my friend opened my closet on the back of the door. There was a schedule of every day of the month and what I was going to wear, which I had already plotted out. Um, so then I, I kind of realized, you know, oh, everybody doesn't do this. <laughs> um, so I, I've been this way forever and for always, and um, I just find it's a language I speak, and you are right, so many people find that um, something that's hard to embrace. They don't, they don't travel through the world that way, and it gives me the opportunity to, to show them that there is a different way that clutter does um, add weight to their life and make their shoulders feel very heavy, and that without that, there's a whole new life to that. And and as I went through life and discovered that this was just a language I spoke and a way I traveled through the world and other people didn't, it be I became aware that it, it was a gift for me. And I think, you know, if you write really well, you don't think of it as a gift. If you do math really well, you don't think of it as a gift. And, and I didn't think of my organizing skills as a gift. But as I, as I went through life, it became evident that they were and that sharing that with other people and allowing them to derive the benefits of it was just something that I, I needed to, to put out there. So that's how it happened. Well, and interestingly, when someone has enthusiasm, I mean, no matter what and who, it, it, it's like a bright light that attracts people. And yes. <laughs> it's one of those where then a lot of times, or this has been my experience, because I, I have passion about certain things that I get excited about. And they look at you like, oh, you're the bright light. And it's like being a, a, a moth, you know, they get attracted. And then they ask what the light's about. Yeah, so, absolutely. So... so from that aspect, how was that going through school? Was that rather difficult? Um, you know, I think uh, it, it was to my benefit in that um, we did a lot of group projects, and so I was always sort of the one that was saying, okay, you're doing this to that, you're doing this to that, so we get all of it coordinated and everybody knew sort of what they were tasked with and how they were to do that and what the time frame was. And... And when people have projects, no one no one likes 
that happening, but everybody likes that it has happened. (laughs) (laughs) And they always look at the person organizing it going, I'm so glad you're doing that. (laughs) Yes, exactly. They don't want to do it, but they're glad somebody is doing it. Well, you know what? Upamanyu Chatterjee said, amidst one's daily clutter, one doesn't usually reflect on the splendor of being free because naturally one has to get on with the business of living. And that's kind of what you're talking about because when we talk about the business of living, we're busy people and especially, you know, if we're in business for ourselves, we're passionate and probably even busier and we get 30 hours and crammed into our 24-hour days. Um, but there always seems to be some kind of challenge we're dealing with in living our, our journey. So, Catherine, could you share what it is about clutter and paper and stuff that you're so passionate about that that you started a full-time living focus on? And I mean, we've talked about coming through school and you just knew it was your gift, but why would why did you make it into a business? Uh, I I guess I realized that um that's what I love to do. That's the kind of thing that brought me joy. You know, when you go through that exercise of, oh, what are the projects I really enjoyed? What do my friends say about me? Um, what are the things that I felt successful at? When I went through that exercise midway through my career and I, I actually sat there with paper and pen and wrote this down and I reviewed the, li- reviewed the list and realized that all of the things had to do with organizing, either space, or time, or events, or things, um, and that just gave me energy, and so that's why I decided that that's the direction I really wanted to go, and uh, although I focus on paper and digital organization a lot in my career, uh, my passion really is paper, and it's because it's so tangible, and it's such a manifestation of the order in my mind. Um, it just feels like clutter on my desk means that I'm uncentered or that I, I lack focus. Um, and when I get my desk cleared up and flowing smoothly, it just feels like that flow of paper toward its goal, whatever that is, is uh, a mirror of my life flowing toward that goal and whatever it is that's good that I've put as that end goal. Wow, I need to check my center. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I think I'm on tilt. (laughs) Uh, You're on tilt, okay. (laughs) Well, keep in mind that everybody has a different um, level of what is clutter for them. I mean, what I consider a clear desk may well not be what you consider a clear desk. Yeah, actually, mine's right now is fairly clear for what I'm doing, but... It's, you know, someone else might walk in, like you say, and go, oh, what's that stack of files or whatever? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And what if you move the piles? Does that feel like you're moving along? (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I look at a pile as one paper at a time. So the pile is only the top piece of paper. And when you move that, when you move enough top pieces of paper one piece at a time, then you move the pile. Right. And you can find something because you go, aha, I, I remember that. I was wondering where it went. Yes, exactly. So and often for clients, that happens to be a revenue check that's been uncashed. Oh, interesting. Yes. yes. So, um, Catherine, are you an advocate of the touch it once rule? You know, you touch it once and you decide, delegate, throw, but you only touch it once. Is that uh, one of your philosophies? Well, um, 
It would be nice, but the reality is that <laughs> people don't do that. <laughs> um, to touch it once is hard unless you're going to discard it or recycle it. So I usually say every time you touch it, you move it forward. So if, if this is a big project and the first thing you have to do to move it forward is to call somebody down the hallway to see what the background is, then then that's the touch and that's what you do. You call and you move it forward. And then the next step may be to sit down and write a draft of ideas, and that's the next step. So every time you touch it, you move it forward. But you're going to touch it more than once. I mean, that's just life. <laughs> touch and move. Touch and move. It's that's like an right. Yeah. Regime. <laughs> so it's the PT approach. When you work touch, out, touch and task. <laughs> Give it to somebody else. Yes. <laughs> Delegate is definitely one of the options. (laughs) (laughs) So interestingly, uh, Christine Kane said, uh, we also need to be willing to make room in our lives for the impending birth of our dreams. This might mean emptying your life of clutter, such as wasted time, energy, resources, or draining relationships. These things can actually jeopardize our dreams by distracting us at a time when we should be more focused than ever. As our Mighty Gems focus and voice is on the empowerment channel, our listeners are typically seeking ways to make their daily business of living work for them as they power up to meet the challenges and they, the seemingly long list of both personal and business demands they, they work with on a daily basis for their time and money. So, Catherine, it sounds like you're working um, for someone when you're working for someone else prior to you um, actually starting your own company. Could you share with, um, with us what it was like being a professional organizer and productivity specialist? And um, how, maybe what did you do when you were working full-time? That must have felt like a real um, challenge, being part-time with someone else or full-time with someone else and part-time with your passion. Um, and how did your own company got started, especially the story, how you came up with the name of your company? Because that's really captive. You know, your name is like very powerful because it says you can reverse chaos. And usually it feels like people get chaotic and then they kind of give up. Well, uh, I'll start with the name because I think you're absolutely right. That is such a crux of it. I, uh, I went out to lunch with a dear friend of mine who's um, an artist and I was um, – I have a background in textile art, and uh, we were really working on napkins, and and I said, you know, this is what I want to do, and I'm having trouble with a name, and and so she just looked at me and said, okay, how how do you feel when there's chaos in your household or on your desk or whatever, and we just, you know, we just realized that that chaos just feels like this huge tornado of of energy that's that's misplaced. You know, it's just spinning around you in this vortex like a tornado and you don't feel grounded and you don't feel settled. And so she said, so what, what do you want to do when, when you feel that chaos? And I said, reverse it. I want to reverse it. I want to feel settled. And she said, okay, there you are, reversible chaos. And so that's oh, how wow. the name became. <laughs> and and um, one of my logo includes this sort of tornado-ish vortex because it just feels like that's the energy. So um, when people ask me about my business, I say, well, that's what I do. I simply reverse chaos. So that's how it came to be. Um, and I think that uh, what it's been like being a professional organizer, I think the biggest thing for me is it's coming to that realization that what is organized for me 
and what is a sense of closure for me is not organized for a client or a sense of closure for a client. Everybody has their different um, different levels of acceptance of the, what they live amongst as far as clutter and paperwork and um, activity in their household, and it's really coming to accept that that's their place of peace and centerness, and that's what I have to work toward for them. And often I've finished a job and the client has been delighted and I walk out thinking, wow, I still couldn't live in that household. But it really doesn't matter because it's how it functions for them. And um, it's uh, as I tell clients, it's not about pretty. It's about what works for you. Can you find what you need when you need it, whether it's a pair of sneakers for your kid or it's, you know, paying your light bill. It doesn't make any difference. If you can find it when you need it to do with whatever you need to do it, then that's what it's all about. So um, as a professional organizer, what is really a productivity specialist? Because I I know that was something that was listed in some of your, um, in your toolbox. Well, I, um, my real niche is, home-based businesses or small offices. Mm-hmm. So I analyze what I, I typically um, do a complimentary visit to start, and I analyze what's been working for the client. Um, what have they done, even if it's a teeny, teeny little portion of a behavior that has worked for them, that has brought them success, around which we can build a system in order to have more success and a system that works for them. So I always start with, excuse me, what's worked, and then we talk about, okay, what doesn't work? And between those two things, we can create a system to avoid what hasn't worked and to build a system that does work. And I often hear when I walk into an office that has lots of piles, oh, it has to be out around me so that I can see it or I forget it. And uh, that's very common. And and a lot of people have that. But there are a lot of ways to have visual reminders of things, especially for visual learners, that don't require all the paper to be out occupying your workspace so you really can't work. Um, so it's, it's really a job of part psychologist, part educator, and part analyst to really realize what's working for them and then build a system both time, space, and also process management, how the paperwork can flow for them to keep it moving forward. Awesome. That's the productivity end of it, yeah. And right now we're going to take a productivity break (laughs) (laughs) for a few minutes and go for a commercial, and we will be back and talk more about how to the magic of reversing chaos. Thank you. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you interested in actualizing your potential to be, do, and have more? If yes, then consider this your invitation. Intellike dates back to Aristotle, who used the word to describe the potential of a thing becoming itself. For example, a kitten has the intellike to become a cat. So what is human intellike? It's about discovering your destiny to live your freedom. 
Discover who you really are through one of the programs at www.humanintelligy.com. Be who you are here to be. And remember, your life is a powerful expression of potential. Whether you activate that for its highest good or not is your choice. www.humanintelligy.com. That's human, E-N-T-E-L-E-C-H-Y.com. Have you ever met a muse? Or consider the possibility that you are a muse and didn't know it? A muse inspires creativity, happiness, and imagination. And that's something we need every day to feel fulfilled in life. The challenge is that most media focuses on negativity. But now there is a place for you and other musers to connect with positive energy, new possibilities, and personal growth. Join www.themightymuser.com to discover curated content designed to bring you to your best self. Becoming a muser will have a direct effect on how you feel. And as you feel good, your life is good. Join themightymuser.com. It's the choice that can change everything. listening to Mighty Gems, Spotlighting Everyday Jewels with Dee Lee. To reach the program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send us an email to jewels at mightygems.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to Mighty Gems. And we're discussing reversing chaos, which sounds interesting, and hopefully um, you've listened up to now. If not, we're uh, speaking with Catherine Jewett uh, concerning clutter and how to manage it and how to get rid of it in a lot of different ways. And Lynn, you had some thoughts. I did. Um, Victoria Moran said, a simple life is not seeing how little we can get by with, that's poverty, but how efficiently we can put first things first. When you're clear about your purpose and your priorities, you can painlessly discard whatever does not support these, whether it's clutter in your cabinets or commitments on your calendar. And I'm a big, big fan of that. I, You know, you got to travel light. <laughs> you got to move through life light because there's too much that can bog you down. So, Catherine, I understand that your background has formal training in banking operations, landscape architecture, studio art, and, you know, so you're kind of one of those multi-talented, multi-faceted people. And with this kind of varied background, I have one like that, too. It's that checkered path to success, but, or wherever you are, <laughs> you know, it's like we're in this journey. But um, could you share a little bit about how each of these um, areas of life focus and experience has come to play with the overall projects that you take on when you're working with your clients? Um, how, how had you, uh, how, maybe how it prompted you to think differently about clutter in, um, in, in life and space? <laughs> sure. Yeah, sure. Um, I started out of college in a banking training program for a major bank, and um, the real focus there is process. You know, there are set processes that are defined so that every time a client walks in the bank and makes a deposit, they can feel secure that that money actually is going into their account. So I learned a lot about process, and I decided I had stayed inside 
whole lot too long after 10 years of doing that. So I decided to become a landscape architect. Wow, that's and, cool. <laughs> a big change. Get there out there. <laughs> uh, it took a while to have that happen. And, and that was really all about lending structure to space. So it's defining how space is used. And then as a studio artist, it's really about the structure of thought and how you give physical manifestation to your thought. So people say, well, how do those all connect? But in fact, as I looked at it, the commonality really is creating structure. And whether that's out of process or out of space or out of time um, and thought, it's all creating process. So... When I come to a project, the banking comes into it because I look at the processes they have and the paper flow and how effective and efficient those are for a particular client, especially given their learning style. Different learning styles have different ways of having information flow smoothly that speak to them and become intuitive. And if you take somebody who's a visual learner and you put them in a process that's more audio, they just it just doesn't work for them that, that things fall off the wayside. So when I when I bring the landscape architecture element to it, it's really the ergonomics and the space. And does the space support what they need? If their file cabinet is across the room, that's great if they're a kinesthetic learner, but it doesn't work at all if they're visual and they need to look down and see different colored files in their file cabinet. And then the studio artist is really the idea, the concept of giving structure to ideas. So it's really the implementation. It's from getting it into on your in your head to that to-do list and from the to-do list to the checked off and done. So that's what I bring to those projects. It's those three real elements, and um, it seems to work really well. So I'm delighted with that. So what how, a nice way to weave your story. That's awesome. Oh, definitely. And <laughs> mm-hmm. so do you have a sense when you start working with someone uh, utilizing these three different applied applications. How long does it work with each of the areas? I mean, do you have a sense of what um, someone could expect as they're, they're approaching something and how long they would want to have for their mindset as to, well, I'm not good at that. I mean, this is coming back to our discussion we had last week concerning self-talk in a lot of these areas like clutter is one of those areas where people always beat themselves up. You know, oh, what, yes. it's just one of those attitudes that is so ingrained in us that, you know, it's, it's on autopilot. Yes, and that's why being, um, being a professional organizer involves a lot of the psychology element. I've had clients who have, from the moment I've walked in the door, said, I'm not organized, I've never been organized, I can never organize. Mm-hmm. And my response to them is, you know, if we get an appropriate system designed for you, that, that's not... That's not true, so don't tell yourself that. I've had clients who have been children of hoarders, and they are not hoarders by any sense, but their self-talk is, I'm a hoarder. Well, no, you know, and I've actually had a client where I had to send them the hoarding scale and talk them through it and say, see, you're not even on this scale. You, you're, you're below the scale even begins. So, no, you are not a hoarder. You need to, you need to consider another... Um, phrase for that when that comes into your mind because that's not the case. So I think a lot of it with um, people who have clutter is is really the self-talk around I just need a system that works for me and to make this flow. I don't have to have a totally clean desk. 
what I need is to be able to find what I need when I need it. And so what is a hoarder? I know it sounds funny, but, um, you know, for general census, you know, what, where would someone identify without? Well, hoarding has um, different steps to it. Um, you know, when you watch the hoarder show on TV, you're seeing the utmost step, and that's where people can't get in and out of their dwelling space. They can't really live in there. They can't access doors or windows. So there's often a lot of damage from water penetration or stuff like that that can never be that can't be fixed as long as the person is there. Um, and and that's what you see on the TV shows. Um, but hoarding begins at a much lower level than that, you know, and it, it really is when it begins to affect their lifestyle and they build their lifestyle around the accumulation and retention of things. Um, that's really when it, it starts. And, it's you know, there are many different steps of it, and the first couple of steps are not apparent to, to anyone but a trained eye, um, and and it takes time and energy to turn them over. But when you get to the top steps on the hoarding scale, um, when I get involved with those, and I don't deal with hoarders, but when my colleagues in the National Association of Professional Organizers do, um, they're typically taking in a full professional team. You know, it it often involves animal control. uh, It may involve senior services. um, Often there's a therapist involved. Um, that's when, you know, the junk removal truck comes with the huge big bins and they start dealing with things one at a time because people are going to be evicted or there's a fire danger, that kind of thing. Wow, so the whole that scale. sounds pretty yeah. massive. Yeah, at the top level of hoarding, when you go into organize, you're dealing, you're, you're wearing a hazmat suit. Mm-hmm. You're probably, and it's probably different for every person. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. So Carl Pinkerton said... Pilkington. Carl Pilkington. Do you know who he is? No. Oh, my God. He's a riot. <laughs> he He's on the show. It's called An Idiot Abroad, where Ricky oh. Gervais... Yeah, they, Ricky Gervais is sending him around the world because he just likes to see Carl suffer in all these crazy cultures and doing all these things he's not comfortable with. So there's this English guy that's just like bouncing up and down on a donkey going why do people do this <laughs> he's hilarious he's so funny so that's who Carl like Piltington a, is he sounds mm-hmm. like a great muser oh yeah totally totally an okay. idiot abroad watch it it's fun okay. it's interesting to see that people had so much clutter even thousands of years ago the only way to get rid of it was to bury it and then some archaeologists went and dug it all up yeah, I, I was loving the, the visual because when I first moved to where I'm located right now in Kirkland, um, there was a family that had, had, I don't know if they were renting the space, but essentially what they had done was they buried their trash in the backyard garden. And um, I don't know how often it got buried, but, you know, essentially when we started planting a garden, because I've spent a lot of my life with a garden, um, we kept, you know, like putting the shovel into the ground and it would go chink. And we did this multiple times. And, and when we started really taking the pickaxe, because it was getting to a point where we needed some extra effort. Oh, my gosh, we must have had, you know, like a pile of broken dishes, all kinds of things that 
were causing the chink. It wasn't, you know, money. <laughs> it was stuff that had been buried. And so what we ended up having to do was actually get a backhoe in and dig the thing out, you know, up to three feet deep and just have it hauled away. And then a new set of, um, you know, dirt dumped in there so we could even start having a garden. So it was, it was pretty interesting. Clutter but, always has to get handled, right? It can be yeah. the easy way. It can be the hard way. Yeah. But so it's going to get handled. <laughs> they, they buried it. <laughs> wow. Taking a look at the value of something still comes back to the value is in the eye of the beholder. Even if it is being dug up from a historical past. People can remember the wonderful music compositions by Beethoven. He was a child prodigy, somewhat like Mozart. And because of that perception, there were a lot of piano manufacturers who wanted to be associated with him. And they wanted to give him something of value, like a grand piano. Unfortunately, he could not use them all. And when he became deaf, you know, he was, you know, these, all these wonderful gifts from the manufacturers were then moved around from house to house and were basically clutter. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, think about moving from uh, Austin to Las Vegas with a bunch of, you know, mini grand pianos. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, forget it. There's a whole convoy of piano movers behind you. (laughs) Just the visual is pretty, pretty (laughs) much. And then, so with our focus on being empowered, most of us are a bit more awake than we used to be and are starting to really look around and within ourselves and outside of ourselves. In our Mighty Gym series, we've been taking a close look at ourselves within and also now outside of ourselves from a very high perspective. And we've been looking for more of a balanced reflective. As we are in the process of evaluating things very closely, it is interesting in that the real problem is not the stuff that we collect and never use, use, but it's also the stagnant energy that tends to collect around it. This is, this is what directly works within ourselves as the body works better if you're healthy and in shape, just as your outside life elements work better if you are surrounded with free-flowing energy rather than stagnant pools of energy hanging around. So I think some of that is called chi. <clears throat> and Catherine, do you work... Um, or within your experience working with your clients, uh, I know there's a lot of benefit outside of just some of the energy flow. Um, are your your clients typically aware of this energy? Um, are they looking at more of other benefits, or are they just like at that extreme mode where they aren't even sure? They just know they have to do something. It's typically the extreme mode. They're tri- tri- um, typically in some sort of crisis when I get a call of, you know, I need help and I don't know what to do. So when I walk in and we talk a bit about the benefits of decluttering, um, talking about freeing up their energy, which allows them to have space for more good to come into their life. Although I believe in that very strongly and I've witnessed it with almost every single client I've had, that's not where the conversation begins because most people just can't connect with that. They look at you as if you were a bit crazy. So we typically start with the, okay, let's see what your, where your pain is, what's your biggest challenge, and what, what's the most immediate thing we can do to relieve that challenge. And a couple of sessions in, inevitably, a client will say to me, you won't believe this. I just got this call from this client I've been courting for years. Or, I, you know, you won't believe the money that I found. Or you won't believe the opportunity that's arisen. And, 
And then I will look at them and say, you know, I didn't tell you this to start, but when you get rid of the clutter and the burden that that is on your life, it's amazing what freedom you have and what it opens up to have that's good to come into your life. But that's not information they can really connect with at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So when they get started with you, do you define what freedom is? No, no, because it's so different for every single person. Mm-hmm. Um, every clan I have, their end goal is different. And so for them, um, it, it's reaching that goal, whatever that goal is. So you know, breathing is a... <laughs> breathing, yeah, breathing freely. <laughs> yes, that counts. <laughs> and and the they all reach that. You know, you see their shoulders kind of descend from around their ears to a normal posture. And, and that happens every time. Yeah, so... Um, what would you say is the biggest challenge for the most part? Um, I think it's really, um, I think that stuff is a security blanket. And um, people get wrapped up in it and they get a bit scared at the idea of throwing it off. And so usually I come in at a point where they are in crisis and something has happened, their landlord has told them they need to move out or they are losing revenue checks or that kind of thing, and they realize that it's time to have somebody help them. But casting off that security blanket is sometimes very, very hard. They want to get rid of the problem, but, um, but finding a new way is a bit more of a challenge, and that's when I sort of become this trailblazer for them is a role model of, you know, one step at a time, one little thing at a time, and the cumulative difference can be great, but you have to sort of operate under the radar with them and operating at just one little thing at a time. So it sounds like they're open to your enthusiasm, though. Oh, I think that I think anytime you see somebody really enthusiastic about something, it's kind of catching. <laughs> <laughs> well, you give I them think, hope, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like you know that's like um, any other challenge where someone's dealing with something. I mean, that can be as easy as trying to reconcile your bank statement. You know, that seems to be an uphill battle for some people. And yes. when you actually come to that point where you say, well, here, here's, here are the tools. You know, here's the potential. Here's how you do it. And they, they have someone actually helping them. I think that's, that would seem like that would be like you're the guiding light that they're not just there by themselves would feel a lot more secure. Yeah. And I think if we were going to take that analogy further, by the time they call me, they would have tried balancing their checking account. 20 times and thrown up their hands and then they would have been overdrawn and gotten a bunch of overdraft statements from the bank. So they call. And so if I say, okay, we're going to sit down, we're going to mount your checking account, they kind of, their, their face would show instant panic. So mm-hmm. instead I say, okay, let's sit down and where's your checkbook register? Okay. Where are your ATM deposit tickets if you don't have your checkbook register? Do you keep your receipts? Where would those be? I mean, literally one small step at a time. And ultimately, the statement would get balanced. But if you were to say to them to start, we're going to balance your statement, sit down. That doesn't work. You kind of have to to go below the level at which they'll feel 
feel fear. So anybody can say, oh, well, here's my register, or let me find my register, or, well, my my ATM things are crammed in my wallet. I mean, most people can find that kind of stuff, and then you just go from there and say, okay, now where's the statement? Oh, you don't have that. Okay, what about, do you have a password into your bank account? Can you get your bank statement off the internet, and then we'll go through that process. So, you know, step by step, they they get to balancing, but but without the level of fear by saying, we're going to get it balanced. Well, I think that step by step is like a ladder, too, if you think about it. They probably think themselves way down in, in the low totem, and also self-talk must be rampant. You know, as they're trying to analyze themselves or suggest to themselves of something that, you know, would seem really obvious to most of us. But it becomes a real challenge in how people perceive things and their sense of value. Oh, absolutely. It's just very interesting how how they get stuck in that process. But it happens so much more than you would believe. Um, That self-talk is so valuable and it's so hard to change your own self-talk. I think (laughs) the most valuable... Um, thing a client ever said uh, about about our sessions together after we'd finished was, I walked in believing I couldn't organize and I would never be organized. And when Catherine walked out, I realized that I was organized and I could do it. And that's a whole change in self-talk. And it's a process mm-hmm. and it can happen, but it's, it's, it's a, a transformation. Yeah. And we spent last session on Mighty Gems exploring that. It's it's a very yeah. interesting process. And with that, we're going to take a little bit of a commercial here and we're going to be back talking with Catherine about this wonderful collection of these details, which I think are very big Mighty Gems. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Have you ever met a muse? Or considered the possibility that you are a muse and didn't know it? A muse inspires creativity, happiness, and imagination. And that's something we need every day to feel fulfilled in life. The challenge is that most media focuses on negativity. But now, there is a place for you and other musers to connect with positive energy, new possibilities, and personal growth. Join www.themightymuser.com to discover curated content designed to bring you to your best self. Becoming a muser will have a direct effect on how you feel. And as you feel good, your life is good. Join themightymuser.com. It's the choice that can change everything. Are you interested in actualizing your potential to be, do, and have more? If yes, then consider this your invitation. IntelliKey dates back to Aristotle, who used the word to describe the potential of a thing becoming itself. For example, a kitten has the IntelliKey to become a cat. So what is human IntelliKey? It's about discovering your destiny to live your freedom. Discover who you really are through one of the programs at www.humanintellikey.com. Be who you are here to be. And remember, your life is a powerful expression of potential. Whether you activate that for its highest good or not is your choice. www.humanintellikey.com. That's human, E-N-T-E-L-E-C-H-Y.com. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. 
are listening to Mighty Gems, Spotlighting Everyday Jewels with Dee Lee. To reach the program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send us an email to jewels at mightygems.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to Mighty Gems. We're talking with Catherine Jewett about the mighty gem of clutter and declutter and her wonderful concept of um, reversible chaos, which is a whole mindset shift, but very possible. And Lynn, you had some thoughts? Yeah, I was just uh, on the break. I was kind of sharing some of my um, my own little uh, professional background experiences. And one of those is that I, I am a feng shui practitioner. Karen Kingston, who is one of the people that's in the feng shui field, said the territorialism and desire to possess things comes directly from the ego, which strives to own and control things. Your spirit already knows you own nothing. It is a matter of realizing your happiness does not depend on your ownership of things. They help you in your journey, but they are not the journey itself. And people do get confused with that. Um, what I have found in everything is when there's flow, there's happiness. And happiness usually follows a clear path, which means that there's not a lot of clutter. You know, and people have such interesting perceptions of what it means to manage clutter or what it means to cut down on clutter that's uh, around them. And they typically don't even consider what it means to actually have um, blocking, when they're blocking energy flow in their space or within within themselves. Um, One of the things that in my, you know, as a feng shui person, I look for stuff on the floor. If people have activated their, quote, floor filing system, then, you know, what they're really doing is that the floor is the foundation from which everything else grows. And so if you uh, have things on the floor, you're actually creating your own mountains is, to climb is really what's happening. And so, um, you know, but then people get attached to it, right? So when there's feelings attached to their piles or they're, they, they're sentimental about something, then it's difficult to move those items out of, out of their lives. And, but it's also hard because the door is closed, new stuff can't come in your life, and so you just sort of end up with these weird little distortions in your life. Um, a lot of people don't really think about how much time and money it costs to haul old stuff around. Earlier in the show we mentioned I just made a big move from Austin to Las Vegas, and if, you know, it's expensive to move all your stuff. And you know, if you uh, if you need to have it all in your visible in your life space, I mean that's going to affect where you live, and it, it it's exponential what your stuff can do to your life. So Gretchen Rubin said, in the scope of a happy life, a messy desk or an overstuffed coat closet is a trivial thing. Yet I find, and I hear from other people that they agree, that getting rid of clutter gives a disproportionate boost to happiness. So if you are looking for a big boost of happiness, clear your clutter. So uh, it's interesting that people, the masters like Beethoven, who had a lot of clutter in their lives, especially with, you know, a horde of grand pianos, they're just not really happy. And apparently he, uh, Beethoven, ended up moving 64 times in his 34 years that he lived in Vienna. That's like every six months for 34 years. <laughs> like, that's crazy. And of course, he composed a lot of his greatest works during that time, but he was restless and he wasn't really happy. So, you know, 
even if you don't plan on moving around, especially with the number of times that he did, but, you know, I've moved probably on the average every two years myself. Um, but, you know, you can start the journey of identifying things that you no longer value that aren't serving you and let them go. Just open the door to new possibilities from the inside and for your outside. And that can start as simply as grabbing a bag and just going through it or picking a box and in a closet and just go for it. See what you find and then let go of what doesn't serve you. So, Catherine, you've probably experienced a lot of different stories of being in the situation where you work with clients so closely and helping them sort through so many of their valuable pieces and memories and things that they've pulled around with them their whole life. Do you have any stories that you can share with our listeners um, without violating privacy of clients, of course, but are there any stories that you could share of what it's like when you've worked with people who have got these mementos and a lot of stuff and how they handle it? Well, sort of I can put together a conglomeration of experiences so that I don't um, violate anyone's particular privacy, but um, I've worked with clients before who are downsizing, Uh, and that's always an interesting client group because there are so many sentimental items, you know, a lifetime in a house. Um, You have a lot of sentimental ideas, and I think the hardest thing to deal with are things your kids have made and given to you or your Aunt Bessie gave to you, that kind of stuff. And I always say to people, you know, perhaps this has served its place in your life and it's ready to move on to serve a place in somebody else's life. I mean, I think when your great Aunt Betty, twice removed, gave you her favorite jello mold, it wasn't, (laughs) um, the the whole point about it wasn't to burden you with her jello mold. The idea was to share memories with you. And so I often, with clients like that, say, you know, record your story, whether digitally or or on paper, take a photo of it, um, keep all of that, or journal about it, and then be able to to free up the physical item to move on. And I always tell people to have a halfway house box. So when they're moving, you know, they're always, there's low-hanging fruit, everybody knows. Oh, that can go, that can go, that can go. I haven't used that since I got it or whatever. And then there are always the things you know you need to take with you. But the things in the middle that, you know, you haven't used in a couple of years or you're not quite ready to give up but you don't use, I always designate a box, the halfway house. And so you load the box, you tape it up really securely, you put a date, six months hence on it or a year hence in big, bold, black marker on the outside that says donate on, you know, 726 of 2017 or whatever. And when that date comes, if you've not been in that box, you don't open the box. You just take it and you drop it off at your favorite charitable donation site Um because once you open the box, all of that comes back, but you, you haven't looked at it in a year. So let's, you know, move that stuff on to somebody who's actually going to cherish it and use it. So that's probably with clients the, the way that I deal with that kind of stuff. But reducing clutter really does allow for more in your life. And, um, you know, there are always clients with multiple calendars. That's another thing that I run across. Um and they're late or they can't figure out which calendar is the right calendar or they can't find that calendar and so only one calendar is accurate. Um, and so I, I'm a big proponent of you use one calendar and one calendar only. It doesn't matter whether it's digital or paper, whatever speaks to you, but 
one calendar is really the way to go. And then it's always correct. It's always updated. It's the one that you're referring to. So that that also is one of those things that I deal with lots with clients. Um, and then uh, I also find that it's pretty common for clients um, to depend upon their memories um, in order to keep dates in mind. Like they'll call and they'll make a date to have their teeth cleaned or whatever, and they'll say, oh, I'll remember that. Well, six months down the line, you don't really remember it, and you've scheduled over it. So uh, I think memory is um, its great for certain things that are really visual or experiential, but it's not so great for such concrete things as the date you're going to the dentist or the date you have to return your library book or when you have to bill your clients. So for those sorts of things, I say to People, you you have to have a recording method. You know, you have to have some sort of planner, whether it's digital or paper, that works, and that's a trusted system. And you put everything there, and you know that it's there. So those, I think, are the sorts of um, stories that come up over and over and over again in many different forms when I um, come in and work with clients. So is there certain items that are especially hard to part with that you found that people just really resist even talking about them? Photos. Absolutely. (laughs) Photos is just absolutely number one. Um, People have a hard time throwing out photos. Even if it's so blurry, they can't really see who's in it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So um, that's always a big one. And uh, it's, you can digitize photos, hard hard photos, you know, the hard copy stuff, um, but it's not inexpensive. And so uh, for clients who are having photo challenges, I always say sort them out and pull out the ones that are real um, mementos to you that really symbolize an entire moment in time um, and then go from there, and that's the best. I had to do this with my mom. I mean, she's she's moving down, and she had one of those ubiquitous storage sheds, and every time she moved, the shed just got bigger and bigger and bigger, and as did the bill at the public storage or wherever. And so finally, last time I was visiting her, I said, you know, it's time to go through your photos. So we went through five huge plastic tote bins of, of photo books, and I just took the photos that were the momentous sort of moments. Um, And if I couldn't take them off the page, I just took the page out of the scrapbook. And I brought them home with me in my carry-on luggage, and I had them all digitized. And then I gave her a digital frame with, um, with a thumb drive in it for Christmas. And now, each year for Christmas, I can update that thumb drive with new photos. But she has all of them at her disposal um, because, you know, carrying around bins and bins of hard photos, they, they turn bad. You know, a lot of her photos were photos that she cherished but had gotten moldy or had yellowed to the point of being an indecipherable image. So photos are the hardest things to for people to part with. Stuff given to them by family is always hard. You know, kid, my kid made this thumb pot in kindergarten. That's hard to part with. Definitely. And Albert Einstein said, out of clutter, find simplicity. And we've had a fabulous discussion. The time has just been whizzing along. Um, Are you available next session next week to continue on in our discussion? 
<laughs> uh, I have to I'll have to check my one planner and let you know. Because <laughs> <laughs> we've got lots of questions and so we'll we'll ponder that. But from a simplicity perspective, you know, there's just so many details in this, you know, that are um ones that cons- we consider mighty gems because mighty gems is sparkling as gems and focusing on values and a perceived value. And so the 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 prospecting is, you know, and definitely in search of, you know, decluttering is probably prospecting. Um, and there's just so many potentials with the jewels that you're going to find, let alone not the physical jewels, but other things coming into your life. Interestingly, Buddha said, the trouble is you think you have time. And really, you should start, this is one of those those self-talks, shoulda, couldas, um, do, start the journey now. And as we continue to connect to within ourselves, to nature and others with our insight, one insight, one choice, and one action, it's also fascinating. We broaden our prospecting arena and we can go up and beyond where we have ever gone before. So our special thanks to Catherine Jewett for joining us on our prospecting journey and how to approach clutter and understanding that it is possible to reverse the chaos. Join us next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. East Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a fabulous decluttering weekend. Thank you for joining D. Lee for Mighty Gems, spotlighting everyday jewels. Be sure to come back for another great show next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll see you here next week.